Alright, all right, everyone, take your seats. This time we're talking about why you might self-sabotage. So take your seats. Thanks. This is the Change Academy podcast, a show where we share with you what it takes to create a healthy mindset, build new and sustainable habits, and ultimately create the life you want to live. I'm Brock Armstrong. And I'm Monica Reinagle. And we just want to acknowledge that change can be scary. And sometimes fears about what transformation might actually cost us can lead us to sabotage our own success. We might even have mixed feelings about leaving certain parts of ourselves or our lives behind, even when they are things that we don't particularly like or that we really want to change. And I just want to reassure you that these sorts of worries and fears are totally normal. But when we leave them unexamined and unchecked, they can keep us stuck. So in this episode, we're going to get all of that out into the open so we can engage with it more intentionally and more productively. It seems so super counterintuitive that you could actually worry about missing an aspect of your past self when your goals for your future self are really exciting and really positive. But believe us, it happens quite a lot. And when it happens, it often gets blown off or dismissed or diminished or labeled as that old thing called self-sabotage. And that's that's a mistake. Yeah. You know, self-sabotage is this sort of pseudo-psychological self-diagnosis that we've all learned, right? But it effectively shuts down further inquiry. Right. And it sounds like things like this. Yeah, whenever I get close to success, I do something to ruin my chances. Or I guess I'm only attracted to people who treat me poorly. <laughs> mm. I think we've all said or heard things like this before. Sometimes I wonder if it's just a version of that old Groucho Marx joke, the one about not wanting to belong to any club that would have him as a member. Right. And I guess a version of that could just be, yeah, if I could actually succeed in doing this, then maybe it's probably not worth doing. Um, Oof. Yeah. yeah, I actually wrote a song years and years ago that the refrain was, things were going so well, I had to make something go wrong. Whoa, that was obviously years before the Change Academy podcast. Years before. And um, yes, <laughs> I didn't even know you then. <laughs> Many terrible relationships ago as well. But in any case, before I air too much of my dirty laundry, <laughs> in the past, Monica and I have talked about self-sabotage. And you may remember that I've actually taken a pretty hard line about it. And this is because the way that I've seen it unfold in myself, obviously, given those song lyrics and the people that we have worked with, especially in the Wayless program, is that we often refer to self-sabotage or what we often refer to as self-sabotage is actually coming from a deeper worry that we attach an easier to explain story onto. Now, that story could be I guess I must hate myself, or mm. it's just my genes, and as we all know, genes are unchangeable. <clears throat> Not completely, but anyway. <laughs> and in the end, the story concludes with, I guess I'm doomed to fail. Or as Homer Simpson likes to say, can't win, don't try. <laughs> yeah, and you know... When you say it may be a deeper worry, it might not even be a deep worry as in some sort of past trauma. Right. It may just be deep in the sense of buried, that something that we just haven't taken the time to really investigate. But don't worry, we're going to be doing some of that investigating today. 
Right. I think what we often refer to as the Rolodex of excuses. Mm -hmm. I think that's what pops up here. You know, and often we also spend a lot of energy <laughs> looking into our past and digging up evidence from that past that reinforces that we are just someone who torpedoes their own success. And we find evidence to support the idea that this is just who I am. I must just be someone who can't allow myself to be happy or be skinny or be sober or be wealthy or whatever it happens to be. But the good news is that self-sabotage is not a personality trait. It's just a misunderstanding of our thoughts and our behaviors. We are interpreting this very human behavior as a character flaw. And then worse yet, we then allow that misinterpretation to send us into a spiral. And that spiral can actually stop us from doing what Monica was saying about looking deeper beyond those simple stories that we've created to see that there may be something that you might actually miss about yourself or miss about your situation if you allowed yourself to succeed in making a change. You may find that there is part of you that thinks the cost of change may just be too high. Yeah. You know, in our years of coaching now hundreds of people in the Way Less program, we've noticed a very interesting phenomenon that crops up over and over again as people begin to see real progress, and especially when they start to get closer to their goal, they're sometimes surprised to discover that they feel a sense of fear or dread about that. Yeah. And, you know, many of them have been trying to solve this problem for years or more often for decades. So why on earth would they find themselves suddenly afraid of succeeding? Why indeed? Well, you know, there's not one single answer, but when we've dug into this with our members, some of the things that have come up include being unsure who they are or how to be in the world without that identity of someone who needs to lose weight, hmm. or a fear that people might see them differently or perhaps expect something new or different from them if they succeed in making this change, or fear that this change might end up changing their relationships with other people. Ooh. Or even a dread that once they solve this problem, then they're going to be forced to confront other challenges that they've been putting off until they lose weight. Mm -hmm. I can totally identify with that one, and I'll get into mm -hmm. that a little bit later. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Whatever it is, the point is that once we uncover thoughts like these, we can obviously investigate them. But if they remain below our conscious awareness, they can, and they often do, sabotage our efforts. And this is related to something that we talk about quite often when we're working with clients on breaking habits, and that is a thing called permission-giving thoughts. Now, those are the reasons and the excuses that our brains come up with and serve up to us on a silver platter sometimes mm. for continuing to engage in habitual behaviors, which we have already identified as being unhelpful. You may have a list of really solid reasons for giving up an unwanted habit, and you're truly convinced it is in your best interest to give up that unwanted habit, but when the moment comes, your brain serves up the thought that somehow justifies not following through. Thoughts like, it's been a long day, or you deserve something nice, or it's too late to get in a full workout, so why bother with anything at all? But... Although these excuses and thoughts seem innocuous enough, 
they may actually be rooted in the fears that we've been talking about, and that fear can overpower and override your best interests. This version of permission-giving thoughts may sound like, if I give up comfort food, then I'll be extra miserable. <laughs> right. There will be no comfort in my life. Exactly. I'll just have to sit here and feel terrible. Or maybe it sounds like, looking forward to that bottle of wine is what gets me through the day. Or, if I can't unwind with a snack in front of the TV, how will I enjoy my evening? Now, these thoughts also give you permission, but it's permission to not feel the discomfort of giving something up. Yeah, we talked a lot more about these permission-giving thoughts in episode number 79. Oh, way back then. (laughs) (laughs) And you're right, you know, fears or anxieties about what transformation may cost us could definitely be lurking behind some of those. But I think it's also related to something we talked about way back in episode 23, which was on how we talk ourselves out of change. Hmm. We talked about the fact that sometimes we sabotage our efforts because we don't want to risk failing and being disappointed. Hmm. I mean, one of our clients described this perfectly. She said, if I want it more and I become really invested in this and then I fail, I'm going to feel that much worse. So I'd just rather not start. Yikes. Yeah. So she was actually sacrificing the possibility of succeeding in order to avoid the possibility of failing. But of course, Failure does not need to mean defeat. We can look at it as simply part of the process. Right. We've talked about frustration, failure, stumbles, setbacks. All of these things are part of the road to success. Your biggest job is not giving up when they happen. And as much of a cliche as this has become, you can find it all over Pinterest, there's often more to learn from your failures than there is from your successes. So it's important to remember that. You know, when, when people start with us in the Way Less program, we ask them to make a list of all the things that they have to gain by becoming someone who weighs less, all the ways that that would make their lives better. And you can and you should do the same thing for whatever goal you're working toward. But as part of that exercise, I think it's also important to explore what we might have to give up. Hmm. So if we're trying to give up something that we find pleasurable, that's something we need to take a look at. Like most of the smokers I know, despite really wanting to quit, also say that they find smoking deeply pleasurable. And you might feel the same way about some habit that you'd like to give up. In that case, the prospect of life without that bad habit could easily seem sort of joyless. And obviously that's going to pull against our desire for change. So when that's the case, we need to actively focus on or even create ways in which life without that thing could actually be more enjoyable. Such a good point. And we don't just need to focus on it. Sometimes we actually need to create it. We need to come up with other ways to fill in the gaps. Right. But, you know, and we're not only talking about giving up behaviors or quote unquote bad habits that we might find pleasurable. I think this also sometimes can be about giving up aspects of our identity or things about our current lives that as much as we may complain about them, we might actually be reluctant to let go of. Right. And I found the perfect example of exactly that from author Amelia Smith. And in her article called Who Am I Without Depression? Yeah. She said, I am absolutely terrified. No, 
mortified when I think about healing. When I contemplate the idea that one day my depression might be gone, I'm sensing a vague, however irrational, feeling of panic. Every decision I've ever made was likely clouded by depression. So much of my time, energy, and mental capacity has been sacrificed in the name of this illness. So who will I be if all of this is gone one day? And then she goes on to explain how she actually believes that her writing and her creativity is supported by her depression, and she worries, what if she can't write anymore when she succeeds in managing her depression? Oh, such a good example. Yeah, and you know, this really hits home, and I alluded to this earlier, Mm. that I experienced something similar just recently to what Amelia wrote about just there. When I was being titrated off of a, I'm going to say rather bothersome, but... <laughs> That's the understatement of the, of the year. <laughs> but, but potentially life-saving medication that I was on. You know, I was paradoxically eager to get off the medication and put all those side effects behind me while also being worried about what might happen when I was off the meds. And what if I still felt tired all the time? What if I still wasn't able to focus on my work? What if my, my face didn't go back to its regular shape? <laughs> what would I have to blame once that medication was gone? I'd once again have to be on my own with these issues. I wouldn't have the excuse of, I'm sorry I can't do X, Y, or Z because I have a headache and I need to lay down because of the medication. Yeah, that was a tough time. And I remember so clearly being a little confused because as you'd been so looking forward to, in fact, kind of hastening the schedule for getting off that medication. Right, I did, yes. And then as it got really close, I remember you expressing this this worry. I was like, wait, what? Yes, it it confused me too. But, <laughs> yeah, but much less confusing once we actually got talking about it, then it did start to make sense. Like you said, it was paradoxical, but there was a logic to it. And really, the all this work that we've been doing and, and sharing on this podcast is what gave me the, the sort of fortitude, I guess, to, to get through it. But mm. anyway, my, the whole point of this story is that sometimes the thing that we will miss is the built-in excuse for failure, or at least the built-in excuse to maintain the status quo. Now, I see this as a very specific type of fear of failure, where the ownership of failure is being transferred from some external force like depression or a medication or something directly back onto you. As much as I wanted to get off that medication, as Monica said, I actually sped up my titration, but don't tell my doctor. (laughs) And as much as Amelia wanted out of her depression, we also kind of want to stay put so we have this built-in scapegoat in case we aren't able to snap out of it and get back to normal. It's sort of, I think, as Monica pointed out one day, it's the the devil you know type of situation. Yeah, that's a big one. And, you know, I know that we're a little bit of a broken record on this point, but once again, the key to all of this is bringing these thoughts, these fears into our conscious awareness. Right. Because otherwise, those unacknowledged fears or anxieties may be the reason that you decide, well, now just isn't a good time. I'll wait for a time when, (laughs) you know, as Brock says, it becomes that excuse to stick with the status quo, to not move forward. But I also want to point out that some of those fears may be entirely rational and justified, and we may just need to reconcile ourselves to the fact that sometimes Growth requires a certain amount of risk. Sometimes we do need to let things go 
in order to make room for something new, whether it's the pleasure that we may get from a bad habit or the excuse that we hide behind, or even, as Brock said, just the familiarity of a status quo that might be kind of crappy, but at least we know what to expect. Right. As long as those remain below the surface of your awareness, they have outsized power to sabotage your efforts. So we just need to get these things out into the open where we can examine them. Yeah, I like to think of it as actually holding it in your hand and sort of turning it over, looking at it from different angles, maybe breaking it open and looking on the inside. Yeah. Just examining each one of these thoughts inside and out is always the, the first step. Like you said, we hate to sound like a broken record, but it's true. And that image that you have of holding it in your hand serves another purpose, and that is to give us just that little bit of distance between ourselves and our thoughts, which we often really identify with. We don't see any separation between ourselves and our thoughts, but there is there is a difference. And um, yeah, visualizing holding that thought in your hand so you can turn it over and look at it also serves to give us just that little bit of distance. Absolutely. All right, let's get into some takeaways from this episode. So number one is the temptation to abandon our efforts or the tendency to self-sabotage is often rooted in our fears that the cost of transformation will be too great. The second one is some of our fears may be justified, in which case we actually need to address them. Number three is some of our anxiety may be irrational or exaggerated, in which case we need to examine their validity. And finally, either way, bringing these thoughts into your conscious awareness is the first step, and a really big step, toward diminishing their hold on you. I think it's especially important with this topic to give you a way to put this into action into your life. I could easily see this being one of those things that people are nodding and saying like, yeah, that's so true. That's totally walking away (laughs) without it actually changing things. So here is a lab experiment for this topic. If you feel like you are spinning your wheels or even maybe self-sabotaging, we want you to take some time to think really honestly and candidly about the following question. What would you miss about your current situation if you succeeded in creating a new reality? There are no right or wrong answers. Just try to be curious about what you find when you ask that question. Is it true? Is it exaggerated? Is it just an excuse? Is what you'd gain a fair trade for what you'd have to give up? Or Could it be an even better deal than you think? Right. Take some time with that. And as with our question of asking why, that old five whys, you may need to ask yourself this a a few times before you get to the real deep Mm, stuff. Good point. You may find that the first couple answers are a little superficial, but try to really get in there and find those hidden thoughts and hidden worries. Yeah. You can just keep asking, well, what else would I miss about my current situation? What else? Yeah. Good advice. All right. From a smart guy. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be back with some more good advice very soon. Take care, everybody. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Brock Armstrong and Monica Reinagle.